0: Alex Frank is here. We're going to talk some recruiting. Uh, TCU on fire lately on the trail. Landed a big 2024 prospect over the weekend. A couple 2025 kids. Don't glaze your eyes over when we talk 2025. We'll discuss why this is a big deal. That's all coming up next on Locked On Horn Frogs. You are Locked On Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right. I'm Steven Simcox. Alex Frank is next to me. He's a friend of the show. Uh, it's locked on Horn Frogs. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel. You can also find us wherever right you get your podcasts. If you want to follow Alex on Twitter, he has a new clever Twitter handle at Alex underscore Horny Toad. You guys get it. You understand what he's doing there. Uh, but he's a really sharp guy and he has some thoughts on recruiting. And actually, Alex and I have been kind of texting back and forth for the past few weeks. And it hasn't really worked out schedule-wise to get together and actually talk about this. But we are both, we're both sort of like, you know, yeah, the, we trust TCU's evaluations. Like, the, it seems like they're getting some guys that they really like that are high upside players that by the time they get to campus, their ratings will probably be really solid. But they were missing out on some of the higher-ranked prospects that they were going after. And then right around the time we did that, Nate Palmer and Jeremy Payne, two four-star running backs committed. And then this week, um, Ja'Kyle Baker, who is a four-star wide receiver out of Brownsboro, East Texas kid. Uh, people out there like to call it Beast Texas. And this is this is a player that was on Alex's radar. He, he mentioned to me a while back, he was like, hey, this is a guy they really need to get. He's a priority. And so what is it you like about his game, Alex? And just, you know, what what was the importance that you kind of saw in landing him as as a highly rated prospect in this class?
1: Yeah. So um, with Ja'Kyle, I'm trying to pull up my tweet. I pulled it. I've tweeted a lot this week, but it was a pretty (laughs) solid breakdown of his game. Um, So I think with Ja'Kyle, it comes down to his frame and stature. Um, And so going along with that – I mean, he's six foot two. He's 170. um, With the help of Kaz and um, just uh, Meacham as well, Mm -hmm. and other receiver coaches, I think that he's going to blossom into a 190, 95 pound stud. Um, He's very twitchy. Um, has some elements of Jalen Rager from that respect. Um, not to scare anyone, but uh, <laughs> but he Jalen was really
0: good in college. The NFL career has not has not paid yeah. out, but he was really good at TCU. Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm speaking more about like his ceiling. Like okay. I'm very excited about him because he does have that Quentin Johnston like frame, but and once he fills out. He could be really special. What's different between him and Quentin is he actually excels in those 50-50 situations. So you kind of toss it up there, he'll he'll go get it. But also, um, he's really, really fast. (laughs) Like, that dude can move. And if you were to use him in jet sweep situations, he would also excel as well. So I'm just very excited about the fit overall. It's a very solid fit.
0: It is a good fit, and uh, it's interesting that you bring up Quentin because I think one similarity between these two guys, uh, Quentin out of high school, he was highly recruited, but his offer list wasn't insane. I mean, you, you know, wow. he was originally committed to Texas. He ends up flipping to TCU at the last minute. Um, and Ja'Kyle, kind of the same thing. is getting a lot of interest from a lot of good schools, uh, maybe not like the blue blood names that you would expect with a yeah. player of his caliber. Um, but a really solid, really good for a, you know, football player. And I think, Alex, I mean, it's obvious like this staff can get talented skill guys. Right. And they, you know, they have an emphasis on using him. Um, So it's a huge, it's huge. And I think the momentum here is significant because you've seen the last few weeks. I mean, it does feel like, There's some, there's some steam behind what they're doing and we don't, you know, we don't know the ins and outs of what they're selling, but it does feel like they're, they're finally maybe gaining some footing. Do you feel better about the class overall than you did, uh, you know, over the last few weeks?
1: Yeah, I definitely felt a lot better. Um, and so I actually put something out, um, in response to one of the burners. We have some lovely burners in the community i don't apologize i don't remember the name but um i was responding and he was like what's ha- what's happening right now and so i basically broke it down it wound up going viral but um it was essentially saying that uh last year's triumphs essentially uh circled over the misses of the past few years between 2018 onward, in terms of um, being able to actually establish and solidify our standing as a top 15 caliber program, because that's what we are on paper. And in reality, that hasn't necessarily been the um, cachet that has been assigned to us. And so now, based on the triumphs of the last season. And I I think that some of that uncertainty and underperformances are starting to be erased. And you can really see and envision the upward trajectory of the program itself um, now, especially in the guys that they're able to land, guys that we should be able to land, guys that we should be targeting. We really shouldn't, Um, be targeting individuals that in my opinion, you know, there might be some gems. I might be overthinking it, but our old strategy of, you know, going after, you know, very under-recruited guys that may not even be ranked on whatever recruiting site you want to use. Right. I really think that's below our pay grade with the caliber of the program that we've actually been harnessing since literally the beginning of the 21st century. So I like to see these um, recruiting battles. I like to see them go up toe to toe with, we'll get to it, but Oklahoma and some of those other big schools that they're fully capable of beating out and actually showing their weight. So I love Mm -hmm. it.
0: Yeah, I agree with most of what you said. I mean, I think, you know, part of the reason they, they land some of these guys that, that are a little more into the radar, at least this staff in particular, not speaking to Gary staff, because I think that was a different situation. Sure. But this staff, um, they they do these camps and these showcases, and I think they just end up kind of getting introduced and landing some kids that maybe not, might not be on people's radars, and they think like, okay, we get in early here, and we kind of, we see the, the ceiling, and, and we go ahead and take the offer. But yeah, eventually, like, You know, there's there's a middle ground, right? Stars, the people that say stars don't matter, uh, that doesn't make any sense. You look at the recruiting rankings, like the teams that are winning titles are bringing in top ten, top five classes consistently. And you know, I would love for TC to get there. I don't know if that's possible. We'll discuss more about that in a minute and kind of what what the different factors are there. Um, But they have landed some highly rated guys in the 2025 class, so. Uh, Over the weekend, and we'll talk about this young man first, Ty Hawkins, uh, four-star quarterback, the number one quarterback in the state of Texas for the 2025 class, according to On3, uh, plays his high school ball down in San Antonio. And I know some of you, like, you might just, you hear 2025 and you immediately just check out. But bear with us. Um, He's going into his junior season And so is this an exact science? No. But if you turn on a highlight film like this dude's got an arm um, and he looks like a special player, Alex. So this is this is significant. You know, you have to hold on to him now. But it's a big time to land a land a guy of this caliber um, early on in this recruiting process.
1: For sure. For sure. And uh, like you said, now the onus is on the program to hold on to him because there will be programs coming after encircling that man and offering him the world. But ultimately, uh, this is a very good get. Um, he has kind of been touted as the next big Texas quarterback, uh, like similar to the way that um, recruiting sites posited Baker Mayfield, right, coming out of high school, kind of like brandished him with uh, a lot of praise and that, you know, with college experience, that was definitely noteworthy. So um, I think this guy has all the tools in the world. He has a cannon of an arm. um, Mm -hmm. And anyone who does have that cannon uh is compared to Josh Allen when it comes to the draft. I wouldn't go that far though. (laughs) But uh yeah, he's he's a special talent and he also can run as well. So uh yeah makes sense why uh Bryles would target someone like that.
0: It does and he I mean he kind of fits of the, the dual threat, you know, high arm talent types of guys that he's been after. One other thing about this that's intriguing to me and I don't know if you'd agree with this, Alex. This might just be kind of dumb luck so far, but it does seem like, you know, they end up with Haas Haney as, as really their first commit of the 2024 class. Uh, before that, they had Marcos Davila who ended up at Purdue with the offensive coordinator change. But it does seem like they, they have an emphasis on, okay, let's get a blue chip quarterback as like the first guy to sign on board and then in this new world where all these kids know each other, Hopefully, in theory, it can be a, a bargaining chip as, hey, let's recruit other players. I, I don't know if they can continue to do that, but it seems like the staff is is you know, got an eye on at least trying to make that a priority and landing those types of players.
1: No, I don't think that's dumb at all, and I think that's right on the money, actually. Um, college is unique in that, and I think you'd agree with this, that the value of a quarterback, um, I remember when we had the podcast last time we did a podcast it was like a month ago and we were going over who are the best returning players in college football and i was kind of saying that while most would say caleb williams that's technically wrong Mm -hmm. because the quarterback position is so highly valued and uh overrated in the sense of college because What's unique about college, as I'm saying, is you can get away with a lot with just having a stud take you all the way. Um, Whereas, you know, in the NFL, you need dudes at every position to ultimately harness that um, will to win and put it all together. But uh, when you have a really good quarterback at the college level, you can do a lot, a lot even if the players around him aren't necessarily the most talented. And, you know, you saw that with USC last year. You really saw that with USC. Um, And you kind of saw it in a sense with some other schools. I'm not going to name names, Um, but uh, I think it's absolutely an accurate assessment on your part that other players are going to want to play with You know a guy especially guys at skill positions that make it easy for them to Mm -hmm. get good looks when film comes out so yeah you know the wide receiver position running back etc all these players want to play with a really good quarterback because it makes them look better more desirable and enhances their name image and likeness and maybe they can pursue the draft later on Mm -hmm.
0: And so speaking of that, also they land Adrian Wilson, a 2025 wide receiver from Pflugerville, uh, another four-star player, uh, according to On3, according to 247 Sports, one of the top receivers. And the state of Texas is one of the top in the nation. And they beat out Oklahoma for, uh, for this young man, at least as of now. So it kind of plays back into what you're talking about, Alex. This is the type of guy they want you know, to be in the discussion for and ultimately land if they're going to take that next step to be more consistent in the program.
1: Oh, for sure. For sure. And like you said, uh, that that strategy of positing yourself with a really good quarterback and kind of using the in-state pull that they have. They have a ton of in-state pull. I think you'd agree with that, Mm -hmm. with their base and relationships with other high school coaches, that they're going to attract a lot of studs. And that seems to be the case. And that's not even to put into question <clears throat> or even address the uh the caliber of coaches we have at the receiver position. It's it's very, very solid. Like whether it's Meechum or the uh I always forget uh I always confuse the slot receiver and the outside coach. Yeah, Malcolm
0: Kelly's the, the outside receiver coach. Yes,
1: yes, yes. Um they're both phenomenal at what they do and you know when you go to running back anthony people jones has put so many guys in the league um so really it's a combination of attracting the right players to uh, surround themselves with really solid talent which i think you were getting at earlier right and then yeah. having the staff around them and the recruiting ability to bring it home sell it and, you know, make them stay. Um, and what I would say and I don't want to ramble too long, but I would say that, uh, and maybe you agree, maybe you disagree. I think that the part of the next step is expanding your foothold because we know it's really strong in Texas and they go after a lot of Texas guys. But as I'm looking at their offer sheet, um, it's pretty much all taxes. I would like to see some aggressive recruiting in California, in Florida. Those states are very crucial. California, especially, there is a market for it. I know USC fans might digress, but they do not have a monopoly on recruits coming out of the state. And so what happens is, a lot of those Cali recruits go to UT. We should be in those fights as the next step, for sure. We, we need some more uh, bodies that can actually matriculate down to California and make a personable pitch, which has been a hallmark of our program, but be able to do it in different key pipeline states.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean, the national recruiting, uh, I guess, goal is is still there in a big way. And we'll talk more big picture in a moment. Does TCU have the resources to keep this going? We'll break that down next. Uh, it's locked on Horn Frogs. I do want to mention FanDuel quickly. Uh, MLB in full swing right now. Rangers dropped two out of three of the Yankees over the weekend. That Rangers bullpen that had um, kind of rided the ship, not not the best effort. Blew a game uh, today on on Sunday. We're recording this on Sunday night and then Saturday. First and second, nobody out in the eighth and the ninth. And Bruce Bochi, famous NL manager, didn't lay down a single punt. I was kind of confused in that in a one nothing game. But if you want to bet on these things, if you want to bet on MLB games, you can do that at FanDuel.com/backslash lockdown. You can also use their easy, safe, secure, and easy to navigate app. Um, they are the official betting partner of the NBA, Major League Baseball. NFL's coming soon enough. There's over-under win totals for college football, seven and a half for the Frogs. That seems like easy money to me. Check it out on FanDuel. Again, that's fanduel.com slash locked on. Also, they have an app that's safe, secure, and easy to use. Even my dad was able to download this app and navigate it. My father knows nothing about smartphones, nothing about apps. He's very bad at it. Uh, he once got scammed by some some... Terrible people that kind of thrifted him out some money. That's another story. He got things back. But he was even able to use this FanDuel app in a safe and secure way. So FanDuel, they're a proud sponsor of the Lockdown Network. We are happy to have them with us. Good. All right, we're rolling along here with Alex Frank on Lockdown Horn Frogs. Uh, so we've been talking recruiting, and our next segment um, is – in intriguing one, so we'll discuss kind of okay, what does TCU have to do, yeah, to keep this up. And NIL is obviously a huge talking point around the nation, and it's one of those funny things because we we know there's people spending a lot of money, and the SEC, you know, we know Miami has a big base, um, but it's still like there's still vague numbers out there, we don't always know like what everybody's getting. But Alex, I know you. I've had some concerns about can TCU keep up or, you know, do they have the right people pumping in cash? Because for years it was like all the big money donors, we need to get facilities, we need to, you know, pay for coaches, and now it's okay. We also need you to do this. Um, what What's your, I guess, concern level for TCU as they try to navigate this NIL space and compete with, you know, the biggest and baddest schools in the country and all the resources they have?
1: Um, I'm really not that concerned in a traditional sense, meaning that uh, the donors they have access to have a lot of resources to allocate. What I'm most concerned about is the traditional donors that already give to the university are and some of our listeners might still not be on the same page but ultimately about paying players but ultimately um, this is the way of the world now the market has changed and uh, you know for anyone who has seen air just from a business perspective it kind of calls into question the um, you know the actual value that the stakeholders have versus the market dictating it by the athlete. Um, And so that entire movie really led to this in the sense that Michael Jordan's deal as an athlete, getting a piece, a royalty, all of that led to the precedent today that is NIL. Um, Because at the time that was historic, no firm really does that. Um, But now it's commonplace. And so the question is, what are we gonna do? and they have a ton of resources to choose from just because we're small doesn't mean we don't have a lot of money and whether that comes from our undergrad population which tends to be very upper class or the donor base itself you know there's a lot of money to be spent and the reality is that my main concern which i was kind of getting away from is that people are still reluctant to reallocate those funds that may be going into the sauna that or the news locker rooms that really in hindsight don't matter the market isn't going to reward that anymore um you're kind of on train with residual returns at this point so uh you really need to reallocate that to the players because players are the ones that are uh, generating value. And it's just the way of the world. And so my main concern is making sure that the collective itself is communicating that effectively to the donors and the donors themselves are reciprocating from that aspect, because if they're not, we will have problems. If they do, we should be really up there a lot, mm-hmm. a lot better than a lot of people want to give us credit for i know as fans there's this you know underdog mentality i think it's kind of funny you know we're the little small school from fort worth guys like it's it's starting to get old once once you get on the national championship stage um you're not really the underdog anymore uh or the underfrog. so really we have a lot of resources to allocate. It's just reallocating them to the proper place. That's my main concern.
0: Yeah. I mean, I guess my big question is, and we've discussed this off air too, but they obviously can land good skill players, right? Like coach Dykes has shown an ability to get receivers running backs. They're super talented. I think, they're showing some strides in landing big-time quarterbacks. Um, with what Texas is doing, you know, they, got, they have a war chest they're just allocating towards offensive linemen. Sure, yeah. And, uh, of course, across the country you look at the, the big dogs, like big-time dominant defensive linemen are there. And I think the staff did a good job last season. You know They land Dominic Williams at the, at the last minute. They went and got Marcus Deal and Avion Carter – in this past class, Travis Jackson, I think is a player that's going to end up being really, really good. Um, But, you know, I I just, I have questions about what can they do in the trenches, Alex? And I, you know, I don't know how much that can be kind of made up in the portal, Mm
1: -hmm. Um,
0: but something that Brian Smith talked to me about, who's our new uh, recruiting expert here at the network, he was like, like offense, you can scheme up a lot of things. Now you I don't really totally agree that you can scheme up offensive line, but I get his point. Yeah. There's, there's ways to sort of mitigate and mask some of your deficiencies. Defense is really about dudes. Like it's just about having dudes. Um, For sure. And you can, you can disguise coverages and bring different exotic blitzes and be deceptive, but it still comes down to can my guy beat your guy. And so I don't know how they make that shift happen, um, but I think if, if we're talking about being on the national stage on a regular basis, that's, that's gotta be the big push from, from the sure. coaching staff moving forward.
1: Yeah, no, I definitely agree. Um, I mean, based on the recruits, they're targeting at least, um, I think you would agree that a lot of them are coming in the trenches, uh, at least on the offensive side of the ball, um, You know brian's brian's an interesting voice i've expressed to you off camera that i i like brian um i like the new fresh perspective that he provides um so if you're listening brian thank you um (laughs) but i i think he does have a point i think that for some of these positions that may not be as uh skill oriented that some of this you can fill through the portal now reliability is going to be an issue um Mm -hmm. you know the grading system for the portal jury's not out on that yet it's very new we don't really know really how um reliable these grades are yet um so jury's really still out on whether you can actually fill the void almost majority to entirely through the portal. Um, but with concern of you know using that war chest, um, I, I think that you do need to spend some of it on the offensive line and I think that's what you're getting at, correct. yeah, yes.
0: Yes. I mean, you know, essentially, and it's, it's all still kind of gray, like what's going where, but I would just say as far as spending an IL money, I want, I want some hog mollies. Like I want those guys (laughs) to get, I want those guys to get paid and taken care of. I think that's, those are the players you're going to have to move the needle with more with, with that part of it, you know?
1: No, for sure. For sure. Um, And so, yeah, I definitely agree with you. I think when I'm looking at the recruiting, and I'm looking at that right now, uh, my main concern, going along with your concern, is a lot of these defensive linemen, um, they're kind of striking out with, but the offensive linemen they're having, you know, good, good, Successful. good fortune with. Yeah, for sure. So, um, you know, I think, and I think you would agree that. This upcoming season is going to dictate a large to a large degree what the upward trajectory looks like for the program. If we go seven and five, which you know a lot of people um, don't really, and I love the frogs as much as the next guy, I just the schedule worries me. I don't think seven and five is going to happen, but like eight and four could happen. It really could. The way it breaks. And so um, a lot of this momentum is going to be dictated on, you know, how we perform this year. So because you have to remember, and I said this to you like a day ago, that most of the guys that led to the consummation of a top 20 recruiting class, which was unheard of um, just from a composite standpoint until last year, were landed I think you would agree as a byproduct of the fruits of last year. Right. Um, and we saw most of those recruits go yeah. down um, late October, mid November, mm-hmm. and especially the transfer portal. We saw that needle moved heavily in yeah. December. Um, I know because I was graduating and the night before we just landed like seven guys. I was like, what, what is going on? <laughs> but yeah, yeah. It, it'll be interesting, but I think some of this uncertainty is going to be answered just through play, play on the field.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. We'll take one more break and then we'll wrap things up with uh, some basketball discussion. It's next to Locked on Horned Frogs. All right, final thing for Alex. Uh, so a couple guys on this TC roster last year are going to get chances in the NBA. Mike Miles was not drafted on draft night, but did get a two-way contract with the Dallas Mavericks, so he'll be close to home. He'll get a chance to uh, you know, put on for DFW again. And then Damian Baugh got an Exhibit 10 contract with the Lakers, which essentially means he'll get a chance in summer league, and then if he impresses in summer league, whether it's with the Lakers or somebody else, he could possibly turn that into – a G League deal or into a two-way contract as well. So um, we'll focus on Mike mainly. Congratulations to both those guys yeah. first off. But Alex, I know Mike Miles is a player that you've admired for a long time, um, was obviously part of the huge turnaround. What do you think his ability is and kind of his projection could be in the NBA? Do you do you believe he's a, a player that could make and
1: Land on an NBA
0: roster for for years to come.
1: Yeah, I was I was talking to my buddy at UCLA a few nights ago because we were going over the draft and Mari Bailey and uh, other players that UCLA drafted, and we were saying that if Mike, I was like, hey, do you want to make a side wager? If Mike doesn't get picked in the second round, I guarantee you that the Mavs are going to pick him up not an hour after the draft sure enough that's what happens (laughs) (laughs) and um i think it's a great fit um you know cuban obviously uh is very supportive with homegrown talent so to speak and uh you know irving might be someone you know that might be interesting to learn from not sure
0: not on a lot of topics, but from a yeah. basketball perspective, yeah, from a bas- yes.
1: From a basketball <laughs> perspective, for sure. So um, I'm very excited for him. From a skill perspective, um, thank you. <laughs> from a skill <laughs> perspective, he's, I mean, what can you say? A lot of people slept on him just because of his size. Um, size bias is real in the NBA. And even though he's six foot one, he's he's a stud. I mean, he's... He's an agile perimeter defender, um, a lot more than a lot of the NBA scouts wanted to give him credit for. And he's a great playmaker, especially um, in transition situations or ISO as well. And he can also, you know, spot up from three. We saw that plenty of times during the tournament, whether it be against Arizona or Arizona state or Gonzaga. I mean, Gonzaga, Gonzaga, he basically owned the first 20, 25 minutes of that play, of play. Like he was on fire. They could not stop him. Um, and he's also crazy athletic, which I think is going to help him a lot. Um, Great yeah. ability. And he's really fast. And he is, you know, for lack of better words, built like a truck stick meaning he's built like a linebacker so to mm-hmm. speak and that frame is going to help him a lot in the nba
0: he's alex frank again that's at alex underscore horny toad on twitter alex thank you for joining us today man always a good time I appreciate your sure. perspective all the time thank um, you thanks brother and uh if you want to tune in tomorrow's mars locked horn frogs speaking of recruiting. There's rumors flying around. I don't know how much validity is to this, but Chase Burns, uh, Tennessee pitcher who touches like a hundred on the radar gun. There's wow. there's murmurs that he could be linked to TCU, which will be really fun if that happens. So we'll discuss that and a lot more. That'll be in tomorrow's edition of Lockdown Horn Frogs. It's your team every day.